All right, guys, Brian Pierce from Sea Time here. We are at the 2017 Dallas Supercross. We have watched uh, a good portion of the practice and then some of the qualifying that has, has, has happened, and it has been a great time so far. I will say I might have had a couple beers, so if I slur for you, just know that I'm doing it for you guys, and I am having no fun whatsoever. But one of the great things about us coming to the Dallas Supercross this year is we got a chance to bring one of our new uh, roadie friends, if you will, Mr. Yammy Noob himself, Eric, uh, to Dallas Supercross. So not only did we put him on a dirt bike for the first time and took his uh, off-road virginity, but then we get to bring him to his first Supercross, and it's even your first trip to the AT&T Stadium. So just so far, what has the day brought to your brainium? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Brian Pierce, for bringing me out here uh, and trying to, and succeeding a little bit, to slowly indoctrinating me into the dirt bike way of life. Burn more oral, baby. Burn more oral. <laughs> it's been really cool, man. It's a totally different experience. Um, just, you know, I'm so used to seeing things on the road, GP riding, that type of stuff. Just seeing these guys out here adding more of a vertical element to racing is really interesting. Uh, you were telling me about how they're able to kind of skip across. So what did you call these right here? The whoops. The whoops. Uh, you know, some people are jumping over them. Some people. It used to be called the whoopty doos, and then apparently that got shortened to the whoops. They were they were like that's too that's too crazy. Shorten it down to the whoops. That sounds way too 70s, and we need to bring it into the 90s, baby. Yeah. That's like we used to call what you guys now do as a as a uh, we used to call it a cross up. Now it's called a scrub. It used to be called a cross up. Yeah. That way back when. That's just because James Stewart made it look way better than you did, Dad. <laughs> I could do a cross-up sometimes. I'd love to see that. That would be amazing. Um, you probably do it better than me. I can't do anything out there on the dirt except uh, very. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do a, a, a cross-up on a road bike, please. <laughs> I don't want to ta- have to like figure out that you broke your neck again. You know, it's funny because on the road, whenever you say someone's crossed up, it means that their body is in the opposite direction of where they're supposed to be, like in the angle of lean of the bike. So it's funny. And scrubbing it in also in, in road bike terms is whenever you scrub in the tires as you lean. So, so you guys have the same terms that you use for different things. It's kind of funny. We like we like the same verbiage, yeah. but we just like to change it up, make sure you guys are really confused. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's been really cool. I'm learning a lot, that's for sure. Uh, the 250 class, the 450 class, just seeing everyone do the different things. Lots to learn, lots to do, so it's exciting. Has there been any one thing that you've seen as you've tried to analyze some of the riders going around the track that's really caught your attention as in like, oh, wow, this guy did this, but then I saw this guy take maybe this different rhythm section, you know, differently, things like that? Yeah, my thing is just watching the lines they take. Uh, some people, they come in really hot at the, and that's at the berm, right? <laughs> that is a berm, yeah, yes. Berm. Yeah, so they come in really hot at the berm and kind of do almost like a straight, just like triangle line at it where they just, they go straight, kind of really quickly drift around and shoot back the other way. Other guys cut a corner, also like a really kind of racing line type of thing, taking the apex. Um, so it's just... It's really interesting, and everyone has a different flow, right? If you start watching them really closely, uh, some people jump, some people go across different lines. It's a really subtle difference, but you start kind of noticing how different they all are, really, yeah. Yeah. One Um, thing I want to see is the difference between the 250 riders and the 450 riders if they have difference in technique because of the torque. Yeah, and that, that's going to be interesting because obviously the 250 guys have to rev the shit out of those bikes. Like to get them into the same the same horsepower kind of range is what you're going to get on a 450 kind of a situation. And it's interesting how they are always like so close in lap times. So that was one of your questions, like how big is the difference in lap time? And typically, some I mean, there have been times where they've been the same. That's you know, and it's just because those bikes are so stinking powerful. Yeah. So. Do you think that you would like to take your uh, your Daytona that's coming in down a set of whoops? 
Oh, that'd be great. I think. I mean, the suspension is literally built for that. You know, Olin's full race suspension. You know, it's just made to just bump up and down violently. Yeah. <laughs> violently. Like, violently. So if, uh, the little bit of off-road riding that you have done now um, on my on the KTM. One day of experience riding off-road, yeah. On the KTM 350, like, and you're watching these guys. Like, how has it changed your thought process? How has it not? You know what I mean? Like, you things know, like that. You know what we should have done before I did my first day on the dirt is we should have come out to something like this or just have me have a, a bit of context to understand what the hell I'm supposed to do. Because I went in there like totally blind, like completely virginal. Like I had no idea what any of it was to do. It would have been, I think, really good to do like a day of just like like looking at like YouTube footage of people actually riding on the dirt, you know? I think it's the same thing that happen to you whenever you head on the track. You'll be like, you know, nuts up front. I'm like, no, Brian, ass all the way back, dude. Like light on the bars, like tuck in, like put your head towards the corner. Like it'll be fun. Yeah. I can't wait for you to make fun of me. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Oh, I, I cannot wait. I'm it just, the petty part of me is so vindictive. I just, I just want to make fun of you so much. So what we're going to have to do is you're going to have to follow me. Right, and then vlog all the shitty stuff that I'm doing. But your helmet cam footage, yeah, your footage is gonna have to be of me. But the audio is gonna have to be of you, essentially telling me everything I'm doing wrong. (laughs) That'll be perfect. Okay, good. Well, I'm in for that. Well, again, we've got everything's getting ready to go. We're gonna kick off here at 3:30. We're gonna go check with everybody, get some more beers, make sure we have some food in our systems, and get ready to kick off some 3:30 racing action. To the podcast. Yummy Noob is now licking the ever-living shit out of a nice, sexy ice cream cone. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, it's erotic, and everybody should be extremely jealous. Dallas Supercross is over. We've made it back home. We had dinner. We had beers. We had good times. We had good friends. We had an amazing evening doing what we love to do, which is watch people race dirt bikes way better than us and <laughs> what we could ever do on them. Um, initial thoughts. We had a lot of good conversation in the car and unfortunately we weren't recording then so let's try to rehash a little bit of that but just overall thoughts on the evening so far well there were a lot of people it almost seemed like it was a uh, demolition derby at times Um, there were a lot of people that uh, didn't finish that should have finished well uh, bikes that broke flats that were surprised but the, the surprise to me was how hard it was to pass and in my opinion, it was they used every square inch they had on the floor and put track on it. And that meant very narrow lanes leading into tight bowl turns. And, and it wasn't, wasn't a passing environment. So a lot of times um, the event was just whoever, wherever you started, that's where you finished, except for a few excellent riders who just forced it. Yeah, and it, it, you know, we had a couple of those discussions talking about the fact of what you're discussing. So if you think about the start straight, you take that uh, – kind of take the, that, that immediate lift you would take out of it. you got the whoops, take a 180. you got the whoops, you take a 180. you got a rhythm section, you take a 180. And then you've got that long rhythm section which then took you to the back of the field. So kind of one of the things you were mentioning was that potentially what they could have done was maybe make that three lanes, make that two lanes, you know, kind of – and then you could have had wider lanes going into those bull turns – um, but at this, okay, so the biggest thing though is that for the, for so long, this is the first year that we've really had twenty minutes plus a lap, right? We've always done laps, you know, twenty laps, if you will, and now it's it's whatever it is, it's twenty minutes plus that one lap. So 
we had like 48 second lap times this time around. So when you, if you were to drop that to 30 or 35, I hate, I'm just going to ask this, not as an ignorance question, just as ask this, does it not feel a little bit more like arena cross at that point? Not with the straightaways they had. I mean, they had some pretty long straightaways in that thing. Uh, but because it's a football stadium, it's longer than it is wide. You know, this was not a baseball stadium. It's a football stadium, so it's long and not very wide. And the challenge was they, they, where they should have had two, maybe three lanes, they had four. And if we're going time, what difference does it make? Uh, right. If What's- it's a 38-second lap or a 48-second lap, you, as long as you've got a good, safe first turn that tends to separate the riders and you've got plenty of opportunities to pass, because, again, you just think about when does the crowd cheer. Yep. They don't cheer when somebody falls. They cheer when there's passing going on. And I can't understand why the promoters don't get that. They just they must live in another world somewhere that, that they just don't see what's going on. But that was not a good track for passing. That was not a good track for cheering. And it, probably there was less cheering going on tonight because of it than you would normally see in a regular Supercross. Yeah, and it was one of those situations where I think that unf- if it had not been for the ridiculously large amount of riders that were pulling into the mechanics area or that were having randomly weird crashes. And I mean, you think about Eli Tomac coming over that triple and then all of a sudden he's like doing an endo and going over the bars without another rider around him. And then, you know, he's one of the riders we're talking about. Then all of a sudden he's in there, like my front brake's not working. They bring out the hose clamps or the the hose cutters and they cut his front brake and he goes back out there. So, I mean, yeah, like to your point, it's, it, this track did not look like a Webb track. Webb had to have his whole rear wheel changed. Yeah, I, we assume a flat. I don't know that any of us ever really saw or figured that out or anything, but yeah. But it's just kind of nuts. It's just like for what we saw as a track that seemed to be unfortunately boring, right? Yeah. Strangely, still took out a bunch of riders or at least pulled out a lot of riders from what we would assume to be their more traditional spot and, in and the racing. Again, that's where I really, really do not like what they're doing with these tracks. They're making them so that, that if somebody has a mistake like that, or, the, or it perpetuates those kinds of mistakes, or it perpetuates those breakdowns, and all of a sudden starts to impact the results. Like Tomac. Tomac got... Really, really a bad score today. Finished, what, 14th or something? Yeah, way down there. Yeah. Way down. Um, and, and, I mean, that could affect the total points. That one event here, because of a bad track, that precipitated that situation with his bike, could just blow him off for the year. Might be over. There's too much money in this to not allow these kids to race to win. They don't race to survive like the diesel. They're paid so much money to race to win that I don't know what Feld's doing. They, they don't seem to get it. But they pack the stadiums, and that's probably all they care about. Right. And it, 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 it's, we've had really good racing this year, but I think on the reason we've had really good racing this year up until Dallas has been because of the fact that we've had more weather involved and the tracks have deteriorated in more interesting ways than what the tracks have normally been when you would be on the West Coast and in California, where they would maybe be more blue groove and much more 
uh, I guess you could almost say, quote unquote, traditional supercross tracks where tonight, it, yeah, it was it was turns and it was straights and it was rhythms and it was just it, it was just like hey if you're gonna go build somebody a supercross track to practice on you, you would have so it kind of felt like the track almost felt like a practice track like we were watching the supercross trying to figure out like why does this track feel the way it feels and this that the other and it just like when you break it down it almost felt like somebody the way that this track was designed that it was designed to be a practice track for supercross racers and, and if you ever look when they do the motorcycle ads and they do a a top view of the tracks. You've got the track going to the right, track going to the left, and they're just butted up against each other with no space in between. And that's what this track was. And, and the nar- lanes were narrow, just like a practice track. And there were, you don't have to worry about passing on a practice track. You just have to worry about your timing and, and your technique. But on a racetrack, you have to be able to race. Yeah. Um. So it sucked to see that happen to Eli Tomac. I mean, it's like, I, I, we've all known that I'm a Dungey fan. If you were to go follow anything on Seat Time, you know that I love KTM. I love Dungey. He's just a great dude. I'm glad that he got on the Wheaties box, all that kind of stuff. Well, but, what about Webb? But it, it's just like to see the fact that, like, that he got kind of, kind of it's just to see what I'm saying is like, just to see what happened to Tomac and still sucks. Right. I'm just so, it just sucked that. Uh, that Tomac got such a bad deal, and that Reed got such a bad deal, and that Webb got such a bad deal. And Baggett Mike, was pulling Baggett. in. Millsaps was pulling in. Like, all these guys were pulling in. Yeah, and then well, let's go talk about the 250s for a little bit. We were talking about the fact that McElrath, who the heck knows? Like, obviously, we're dudes. We're sitting in the stands. We're drinking beer. Like, we are the bench racing, beer drinking fans of Supercross, right? We're up there having a good time, super hooting and hollering about McElrath doing awesome. And then all of a sudden... He's missing jumps. We're like, wait, why is he on the side of the track, right? And then all of a sudden, people are passing him, and he's not doing anything about it. He's not getting back on course. We have no idea what happened. But that, you, I mean, it's probably not track. It, it looked to me like he was trying to give throttle because he wasn't even re-gripping. He, was, you could see his wrist was down underneath. So he was the bar hitting throttle stop. He was trying to get that thing pumped, and it just wasn't doing anything. So in that case, can a bike? To, to have a dumb question, can a bike blow up but essentially still have enough compression to then still run but not have enough compression to act under the same horsepower that it would under full normal conditions? I, I believe if, the, if you munch a valve completely, no. But if a valve doesn't seal completely and as long as you keep it buzzing, it'll stay running. But it won't have any power. It won't idle. You know, we with the two strokes, we used to do that all the time. If you if you didn't have any compression, you just didn't idle. You kept it at seven eight thousand. Clutch the shit out of it and just seven eight thousand RPM. Where what's a ring going to do at that RPM? Yeah. Um, but it might have been something that could have eaten a ring. Because we know there's what four of those things, and a and a piston on today's yeah. four stroke is nothing but a ring carrier. So if it starts jiggling up and down the bore. We could eat a ring, munch a ring, really. It just sucks because, granted, at this point in time, we don't really know what it was. But, I mean, like, to think that that's going to happen to somebody at that level, um, is that poor maintenance on a team? Again, I'm not trying – I am not calling anybody out because I don't know what goes into that kind of stuff. But when it comes to – being at the top of your game in those situations, you know, why can that happen to a professional's motorcycle? They're stressing the envelope. Okay. Maybe it was 
you know, the thing was designed to make, I'm just making a number up here, let's say it's 50 horsepower. But because you're the factory, you know, you got all the right valves, you got all the right porting, you got the high compression pistons that nobody else can get. Now you're making 65. Right. So you're pushing it like... You got parts that were designed for running 50 plus or minus some percentage, and now you've added 20% to that, similar to your bottom end on your... Right. WR when we made it a so a lot of shit is stressed. It's stressed. <laughs> it's not designed for that level of stress. So that so yeah, I would say more so the factory teams. Now the fact that they rebuild them each week though should catch a lot of that. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, but if they're they're going to stress them a lot more than you and I are. Absolutely. Yeah. We are we are beer drinkers and bench racers. So when we get on a motorcycle, we're not going to do anything crazy. Well, uh, we, we're gonna we have would, fun. We would we're stress gonna... all the plastic parts when we crash. Yeah, absolutely, and especially when you help pick me up. Like you, like we might bend them a couple even more, like with our hands and stuff like yeah. that. Well, we, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll be hard on levers and handlebars and things yeah. like that for, but, for years to come. Yeah. <laughs> we will continue to to be those people. But we don't tend to eke the last erg of energy right out of our engine. It's like, how do we get that one more percentage of horsepower? Yeah, it's yeah, like... Lose 20 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for us, that's, that's going to be the... <laughs> for me, the, it's lose yeah, 60. That's, the, uh, that's definitely the magic number. All right, well, I still think we had a lot of fun. Oh, I agree. Um, obviously, if and you... Could, broke in Eric. Absolutely, Eric. yeah. So uh, if you guys haven't uh, paid attention to any of the seat, seat time episodes that our, our good buddy Eric from Yammy Noob has been on, definitely go check out those episodes. He's a great dude. He's a roadie kind of guy. He has an amazing YouTube channel. Um, he's been really helping us out we we not only did we break him in on doing off-road riding for the first time but we then took him to his first supercross so that in itself i think was getting him to inhale some race gas with us uh for some from dirt bikes opposed oh, he's, to he's gp a, he's bikes done race gas before yeah he showed us his brand new uh 675 uh, triple triumph uh, uh the daytona right oh uh, yeah so that'll be fun uh, eventually when i have my license i can go ride that in no. a very slow somewhere there's no riding slow <laughs> It'll be it'll be good, but yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun at Supercross. We're obviously looking at, uh, forward to the next couple rounds. Spent um, a lot of money. We did, we did, but we did some beer drinking, we did some eating, we did some bench racing, all that kinds of stuff. So if you guys have enjoyed any of the content that we've put out with Seat Time, obviously we appreciate the support that you guys have given to us. If you could, go check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Seat Time is a way where if you feel like what we do is worth a dollar of your hard-earned money a month, that would be great. If it's worth $3, awesome. If it's worth more than that, even better. Um, Pay attention to adventures.seattime.co. We're getting ready to put our field trips and our... Our uh, summer month, our summer ride uh, on the calendar. And so, you guys, if you want to come to the field trips, there will be no cost involved. You guys just come out. It's a great riding weekend. We're going to do a couple different things this year. It's going to be fun. Do some dune riding, do some technical stuff. And then the trip in Colorado, we might actually be changing the, the location just a tad this year. Uh, though we may still ride in Taylor Park, there may be a couple different locations where we might camp. So, Pay attention to all that. It'll be fun. And we just really, really appreciate the support. And thank you for everyone that has paid attention. Dad? That's it. Later.